welcome to the Clear Ads podcast, Highway to Sell. You're listening to George Roberts, and with us today is Tom, Ariam, and Sophie. In this episode, we'll be talking about how to crush Amazon PPC in 2021. So, Tom, Amazon PPC has been around for years, but could you just give a brief overview to our listeners and what it is? Yeah, first of all, hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in again. Um, I'm just going to go over the basics of what Amazon PPC is because we're going to go into a lot more depth answering certain questions either from you know prospective clients people on our team or, or listeners from our first episode but amazon ppc is basically another advertising platform in which advertisers pay a fee to amazon when a shopper clicks on their ad this is known as pay-per-click so that's the ppc um, within this you've got a few different ad formats available so sponsored products that's really your bread and butter that's where you're putting in keywords hoping people will then search for those keywords um, and then click on your ads. You've got sponsor brands. That's more top of funnel. So you can have your brand name and a couple of your products. And it really gives uh, the person searching for those keywords a sense of what your brand is actually selling. Um, and then product display. This is uh, where you can sort of manipulate your audience in a way and almost do some remarketing, retargeting, place your products alongside competitor products, with the ultimate goal of having your product appear on another product's landing page. Yeah, and just to, I mean, for any sort of listeners that aren't aware of what PPC is, it's pay-per-click. So when a member of the audience clicks on that ad, essentially you will then have to pay for that ad click. But very basic at the moment, and like Tom said, we'll just sort of get into the main parts and benefits of using Amazon's PPC and what that actually offers sellers utilizing amazon advertising essentially yeah yeah and and there are comparisons to amazon's platform to to other advertising platforms i think the most notorious one out there is probably google adwords they were one of the first to go into the ppc game the big difference with google adwords to amazon is google is definitely more top of funnel that's where people are starting their search journey one of the biggest benefits of amazon is people are going on Amazon to shop. They've already committed to, mm-hmm. effectively, they've walked in the front door of a superstore. Yeah. They know they know that they're going with intent to buy. Um, whereas with Google, that, you know, someone might be looking through the phone book or the yellow pages to see what, what sort of business they're looking for, what results are out there, or looking through an Argos catalog um, to, to just have an idea of what's out there. Uh, Google will tell people where they can buy it and what's on offer. Whereas with Amazon, they're already in the shop. Yeah, um, exactly. And, and like you said, it's just that intent, isn't it? That you, you're far more likely to be making a purchase on Amazon than you are just making the search on Google, for example, as you're on the platform to make that purchase for whatever you're searching for. Absolutely. And, and obviously that doesn't eliminate window shoppers. I'm very guilty of that myself. <laughs> I'll, 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 as soon as I get paid, I'll, <laughs> I'll jump on Amazon and think, oh, what can I buy this month? Um <laughs> Yeah, I know we've got a few guilty parties at Clear Ads, especially Bobby, who likes to to shop Amazon yeah. and buy weird and wonderful things to to decorate her cactuses and her <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm also guilty of that. You know, what new vinyl records can I buy this month? Or what new books can I buy? Don't necessarily yeah. buy them all, but usually at the end of that journey, I've bought at least one thing. Of course. 
And I, I suppose for 2021, it's, it's a new year and a lot of people implement sort of new strategies to implement and grow their business moving forward. So it's one question that I've been asked a lot on sort of prospective calls of um, like what strategies are we using for quarter one, um, especially this year? I, I think one of the most important strategies for me for Q1, and this is assuming that this is an existing client, yeah. is trying to capitalize on that large footfall that you would have seen come through in Q4 and trying to ride that wave. In a normal year, and I know 2020 wasn't a normal year because we're living in a pandemic, and that meant that Amazon Prime Day was bumped to Q4. Yeah. So not only did we have Black Friday and Cyber Monday, we also had Prime Day all in the same quarter. And then after that, you've got uh, the holiday period, Christmas. So you've got all those Christmas shoppers coming in to you know, buy gifts for their families and loved ones and friends. Yeah. So we, you want to take advantage of that footfall. And with sponsored display and the DSP, which uh, we touched on in the previous episode, and I'm sure we'll go into a lot more depth in coming months, um, you'll be able to, to retarget those people. And something that's... Uh, coming to sponsor display very soon is the ability to, to target um to remarket to product views yeah so if viewed your product you'll be able to remarket to them with sponsored display yeah but, and sort of like i mentioned it sponsored display is such a unique tool to yeah. engage in that sort of bottom of the funnel remarketing um there, there's just when we spoke about amazon's demand side platform there are just far more targeted options available to sellers for the platform but sponsor displays again like, like we've both mentioned it, it's such a good tool to just engage yeah. in the bottom of the funnel and just increase that retention and increase sales as well so i think once we've got that initial strategy of of trying to to ride the wave of that increased footfall because you don't want to ignore it some people might think that q1 will be quiet now that christmas is gone but there would have been a lot of people that would have looked at your products and not purchased because money can be tighter at the end of the year because you are more conscious of how far you want your money to go because you are buying presents and trying to you know make christmas decent rather than going over budget yeah um so some people will be coming back in january and if they've encountered your brand in november or december even if you're not using retargeting if you've got a solid enough brand they will remember that and Amazon itself remarkets in a way. So if you've looked at something or you've put something in a basket, Amazon will send you an email, even if you've not set them up as a seller, yeah. to say, you, know, you left this in your basket or are you still interested in this book? So there's already things in place to sort of accommodate a little bit of remarketing anyway. Mm-hmm. So try and take advantage of that. Try and keep your products visible. Try and keep your bids strong so that people can actually find you and that you're appearing hopefully on page one and if, if possible above the fold the less yeah. people have to scroll and the less people have to click next page the more likely they are to find you and, and consider you amongst the competition yeah absolutely and i suppose it, it's a quite hard thing to decide isn't it that bidding strategy of what you would employ because it's so broad and it's such it, it is such a broad question i suppose um but it's a question we do get asked a lot isn't it it is yeah yeah, so the, the bidding strategy that I would employ, this this all comes down to the different objectives of your ad campaign. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, if you're hoping that you're going to drive sales with your ads, but your primary goal is brand awareness, then you need to bear that in mind because you, you're going to be less focused or fixated on whether your ads are actually profitable because 
you just want to get your product in front of people so that they're aware of your product and more importantly your brand the, the yeah. more they remember your brand the more that they're going to come back and potentially even visit other products and it's far easier for someone to would recommend to this product via word of mouth via the brand name yeah uh, you know if, if someone likes the product they've got and then a friend comes around and likes it it's going to be far easier to say that say the brand name rather than just say these are scissors like because everyone's selling scissors, <laughs> they want these ones um, yeah, no, absolutely yeah well, so at that point you just you want to adopt a strategy of just outbidding your competitors so that you, the audience you want to capture sees your ads and not theirs so you're less focused on it being profitable at that point um on the other hand if you are working on a long-term goal of actually boosting sales then you do want to keep an eye on your margins and your acos yeah. um you really need to work out what your ideal acos is that point preferably a target ACOS and a break-even ACOS. And this is something we always ask our clients when they sign up. The break-even ACOS is great because we know at what point we'd, you know, we're breaking even. We're not wasting too much money. Um, and then we've got a target so we can gradually reach that and make things profitable for them and, you know, allow us to scale even further. Um, yeah, we want to make sure that we're making a profit with whatever our target ACOS is. And then figure out, you know, how much we can bid on that per day. And that's where, you know, we would decide what our accounts budget is for that day and yeah. then what campaign's budget is for that day. Absolutely. And I suppose in the case you just mentioned there, that's where the strategy would essentially come from. Understanding mm. the margins that you sort of have to play with and ensuring we're getting return on investment for the client moving forwards because that's all obviously the ultimate goal um, especially for our clients um, we, we're there to improve their um, sales improve revenue and just ensure they get a return on investment from their ad spend as well yeah absolutely and, and I, I wouldn't be too shy about starting slow either especially if you're a new seller or you're testing out a product that you know it's probably got a uh, low margins but it might be a high cost item you don't want to go too crazy to start with because if you've got broad keywords you could easily blow through that so yeah start small start with a small budget per day don't be shy to just start with sort of five or ten dollars just to see how it goes for the even the first half a day and check back in then you'll 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 have an idea of what it's capable of in the first half of the day gives you a bit more authority to stick an extra 10 15 20 dollars on that campaign um, and, and the more you test this throughout the week, you'll know exactly how much it's capable of spending. Because the last thing you want to do is give it a $500 budget for the day and then come back at the end of the day and realize you've just blown all your money. Your aid cost is 600%. You've got, <laughs> you know, you've got no useful data because you set your bids too yeah. high and you really know what the optimized level is. And then from that point, you're just trying to, to fix it and crawl backwards. Yeah, exactly. Creeping forwards. Yeah, agreed. And I suppose that that's that's one thing to yeah definitely mention that we we always like to sort of scale up, don't we, and sort of increase the bids as we go. So any sort of person that wants to just spend a load of money straight away, we always err on the side of caution. Why not scale up appropriately? Build out those mm-hmm. campaigns to ensure you're hitting the right keywords, targeting the right people, and even grow into sort of other campaigns like you can build more in sponsored brands, for example, if that seems to be the best campaign for yourself, and then even build more targeting options into sponsored display as well. Now, one question we we always get get asked, or I always get asked, especially in these initial calls is, 
budget and what that actually should look like for someone spend for the month, I suppose. Ultimately, I always say it really depends on how much you have to play with or how much you're willing to spend. But there's so many more factors that affect your budget, isn't there? Yeah, there are. And th- this is one of the most common questions we get asked, whether we're on a discovery call or if, or if we're trying to to do a strategy for, for, for the following year or even the next quarter. It's, you know, how much budget should I go? And obviously, us being the experts that we've been paid to do this job, yeah. I guess we should have an idea of how much we're capable of scaling. But ultimately, you've just got to work out how much sales or how many sales or, or the level of sales you're expecting from that product and then that's easy for us to work mm-hmm. out how much to spend based on our target ACOS so if you're mm-hmm. expecting to generate you know a thousand dollars in product sales from from Amazon PPC and your target ACOS is 25 percent then in theory that means that we can spend 250 dollars on those ads to achieve a 25% ACOS to make $1,000. So that's one way that you can work it out. And then yeah. you can do that for every product. And even and maybe you're only focusing on three or four products, but you're actually going to advertise 10. Even just working out the budget for those initial core products, your hero products, the ones you want to build your brand around, Yeah, that can just be the start. And then work out how much sales you're expecting or even how many sales you want um, you have to be realistic at this point because yeah. I'm sure everyone wants to be a multi-millionaire, but you're never going to be one. So yeah, start sensibly, and then you know every month you can start scaling that up and then increasing your spend that way. And the longer your campaigns have been running, you're going to have an idea of how well they perform. And obviously, if you're hitting your spend caps and you're still within budget and you've got enough cash flow to introduce more budget to that, then you've got a lot more authority to do that. But if you're going in blind and you know that you want to make a thousand and you, your margins are so that you need a 25% ACOS, then your budget's 250. Yep. Sounds good. I suppose for this podcast, it's how to crush Amazon PPC in 2021, but it is quite a broad topic. So I'm just going to delve into some questions that I've been asked over the past couple of weeks. And then obviously we, we answer those as we go by, but for our listeners, it might be good for them just to understand different metrics going forward or different um, strategies that they could implement to just achieve their goals um, easier. So, I got asked uh, even yesterday, actually, I'm getting a lot of clicks, but my conversion rate is low. How can I fix this? What would you say to that? Oh, well, first of all, the good news is you don't have a problem with visibility. Yeah. If you're getting a lot of clicks, you know, people have found you easily. Um, sadly, you're saying your conversion rate is low, which means you know, people are clicking on your product, but they're, for some reason, they're not finding you appealing. It could also be part of the journey where people are clicking on everything and then trying to find out which is the best quality product for the cheapest price. But but usually people can get a lot of information just from looking at those results pages and just scrolling up and down quickly to find the, the quality and the price there. This is probably the place where you would want to enhance your listings. Maybe you don't have enough product photographs to, to truly give the, the potential customer a, a true picture of what your product actually is. Maybe your product is priced too high. I guess this is where we would have to do a bit of uh, testing to try and figure that out. So, yeah, different headlines. Try different photos. You've got a limit of, I think, seven 
or eight photos in there that you can do. Yes. Don't just rely on the hero photo on the back, on the white background. Put some lifestyle images in there. Put some images of you know, all dimensions of the product, the front, back, up, down. Have some images with some actual writing on there. A lot of people just respond to the photos. They're too lazy to even bother reading the headline or the bullet points. So if you've yeah. got some really important information in there, put it in the picture. As long exactly. as it's not in the first image, you can get away with pretty much anything in there still following the rules but yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely and i suppose what i always say to that question in which i explain to that prospective client as well is that you have to put yourself in the mind of the shopper or the consumer um so if you cannot convince that person who's on your ASIN or your product listing to purchase you have to understand why that is maybe you're not conveying the uniqueness of your products maybe you're not a put correctly conveying the benefits of purchasing your products so you have to understand that journey like you said of why they've clicked on the ad but also you have to understand why they might buy that ad from your ace and so really nailing down on the benefits of your product is key to increasing that conversion rate yeah and just do some market analysis search for the keywords that are relevant to your product that you expect people to type looking for what you're selling and see what else comes up are you competitively priced? You might find someone who's priced exactly the same as you, but they're selling three units when you're only selling one unit of the product. So bear all of that in mind. And obviously, once your rankings are higher and you've got more reviews, you can command a higher price with a smaller quantity because people flock to reviews. If, if you've got 5,000 reviews and you're slightly pricier, yeah. they've, they've got confidence in that product. Yeah. And if there, if there are less units in that than the competitors, it will also implies of a higher quality. But if they're only getting one for $10, it's probably going to last a lot longer than three of the same for $10. Do some market analysis. And, and if you're with an agency, a lot of agencies will actually help you with this as well because you know they're, they're going into these accounts and trying to optimize every day of the week. It's probably worth mentioning that uh, Amazon Retail Readiness which Amazon provide a kind of whole host of information on their site. That kind of gives you basically a checklist of what everything that you should be including on your product um, detail page. So what features you should be including, what details you include from your content to your images, down to the inventory levels, to the title. It's worth checking out the, and I quote, retail readiness, as that's what Amazon calls it, on your pages and on Amazon, just to make sure that you've got everything that you need. Yeah, completely. Yeah, and yeah. one of the one of the, the most obvious things is having a decent level of stock, like making sure you've got at least sort of ten plus units in stock. Because if you're going to start advertising and you've only got a handful of items, if you sell through those, then it was all for nothing. Because you you until you're back in stock, you, you, it wasn't worth even trying to rank for that product. Mm. But yeah, that, that's an amazing point, Sophie. A lot of the information that you will need is on Amazon's website. Perfect. So the next question I had, and it threw me off a bit, actually, was I had a question a couple of weeks ago. Is Should I use Amazon's Bid Plus feature? Well, this is an interesting question because Bid Plus hasn't been something for a long time now. It has been replaced. It was a feature that Amazon had where you could just turn the button on and it would give Amazon the authority to raise your bids by 50% whenever a competitor starts outbidding you. Um but you've got no real control over that. It was 50% or nothing, which means if you weren't really keeping an eye on how your campaigns were performing week in, week out, 
you could end up overspending a lot because, yeah, that, that goes on top of your budget that you'd agreed and goes on top of the the bid that you'd also agreed. And mm-hmm. you're not in control of it. It's Amazon. They want to make as much money as possible. So if a competitor outbids you, that bid plus feature is always going to kick in. Yeah. Um, but bid plus has actually been replaced now by placement bids. It's effectively the same thing, but you've got a lot more control. So there are three placements as far as Amazon are concerned when it comes to this feature. So you've got top of search, and that's not to be confused by just appearing in position one. Top of search is the, with this feature means page one in, in as a whole. And then you've got rest of search, which you can't manipulate. So if it's on page two onwards, you can't um, manipulate the bids there. Yeah. But the other one is product pages. So if your product is appearing on a competitor's page, or even one of your products is appearing alongside a complementary product that you sell, you can manipulate the bids there. And you're when you go to this section within the advertising console, you're actually able to see how many impressions and clicks and sales and the ACoS for each of these placements. So if you notice that 90% of your clicks and impressions and sales are coming through top of search mm-hmm. and your ACoS there is 20% and your target is 25 then you can start manipulating the placement bid there. And it, and it just means right. that if someone's going to outbid you, you can increase that from between 0% and 900%, which is very different to the 50 that was in yeah, the definitely. deep bid plus. Definitely. But you've got a lot of control. So just increasing it by 10%. And I, and I knock this up and down based on what the ACOS outcome is at the end of every week. Okay. So if I'm still within my, my target, I add another 10% on. And obviously, I can I can start adding higher increments based on performance. I think I've managed to get one campaign up to nine hundred percent. I mean, we're <laughs> I wouldn't recommend doing that off the bat because that's a crazy increase, especially if your bids are high, and um, depending on your niche. But um, we're in position one. We're dominating all the searches, yeah. so it's very rare that anyone's outbidding us for those terms anyway. But it means if someone does. Like who cares if I've got to pay 900% on that one sale? Everything else is super profitable. It just means that no one's getting in. Like I've got the best defense. I've yep. got the biggest walls. I'm pouring oil over. We're firing arrows. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. Um, but be sensible. Don't go with 900% to start with. <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely don't go with 900% to start with. Um, if, if, they, if you can take one thing away from this podcast, it's just don't do that at the start. <laughs> <laughs> Um, what was zero until you've got enough information that you're <laughs> you're confident that um, you're you're at a decent ACOS regularly, and then just start with ten percent and see what happens. Okay, great. Um, I suppose one thing uh, to note as well, I, I'm constantly auditing accounts for prospective clients, and we see like a variety of ad formats in which I, I'm always asking sellers like why they particularly side with one. Uh, match type for example if they're constantly using exact why that was and they stop using phrase so is there a format that's most effective in your eyes or i guess it's a bit of a catch-22 but like i said earlier your bread and butter is your sponsor products yeah All people are going on to amazon typing in a search term and then hoping to see something that interests mm-hmm. them come back as the results this is usually going to attract customers who are actually already aware of what they want to buy yeah um but yeah the, the majority of my accounts that i manage i would say 
sort of at least 60 or 70% of the spend we're pushing through as go, are going through sponsored product ads. Yeah, that's where well, everyone started off, isn't it, as well? Yeah. I suppose everyone's and, used yeah. to that. That's pretty much all that was there to start with on Amazon, mm-hmm. especially yeah. if you had a better account. A lot of the extra formats, you have to remember, were only available to vendors. And as I guess they treated vendors like beta testers, um, but as they became, you know, more ingrained with the Amazon system, they started sharing those with seller accounts and they rolled them out territory by territory. You're lucky if you're in the US because you seem to get everything first. Um, <laughs> but sponsor brands is great. It's more top of funnel. Yeah. Um, you can go with broader terms. So someone might just be considering buying some designer lights for the their interior or the exterior of their house. And, and that might be the basis of their search term. Or they might be looking for home DIY. And then you can have an advert come up with an interior light, an exterior light, maybe some string lights. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you've got your logo in there, so that sticks out. Yeah. And you can have a bit of a, a, a blurb to say, pick me, pick me, don't pick them. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever striking words you can, you can think of to fit within the character limit. Yeah. yeah, it acts like a, a banner on the highway or a poster on on the side of a building or a poster on the side of a bus going through town. Like You're just getting in front of people. Yeah. Those people might not have actually been searching for you, but now they're aware of you. They're in that consideration phase. They're all looking for something. So that's a, that's a great tool, and I, I would recommend having this in your account, especially if you're trying to get your brand awareness up and make people more aware of and the products that you actually sell. And you can also use it to increase awareness of the rest of your inventory. Yeah. If you're famous for, for one product, but you want to start pushing the others, you can advertise against that, that hero product's terms. Mm-hmm. But then you can have the other products in the, the sponsor brand ad be other things that you want to push. Maybe it's a complementary product. Yeah. Maybe you're selling some sort of high-end wok, but you, you now want to start selling sort of silicone gloves to, to be able to pick up that wok without burning yourself. That's an example of the power of sponsor brands. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a great example. And yeah, like you said, there's potential to cross-sell and improve yeah, just sales across the board or across your product range are vast, really. So yeah, very unique tool. Again, from sort of auditing accounts, I see the vast majority of people utilizing auto campaigns and then, of course, implementing manual campaigns off the back of those auto campaigns but when when the, those manual campaigns are up and running what would you suggest doing with that auto campaign i treat my auto campaigns like a discovery phase or a research phase it depends how long you want to be researching for i yeah. i would argue that i would never turn them off okay because there's always going to be new people coming in yeah. new nuances and new lingo that you don't even think of attached to your product obviously the performance of these is is going to change over time but any gold that you find in there, any key terms, any hero terms, anything that is actually converting, you're obviously going to want to put those into your manual campaigns. And at that point, I would negate those terms using negative exact on the auto campaign. So if okay. anyone searching for that term in the future now has to come through the manual campaign, and that frees up more budget and more space within the auto campaign to find new terms. Yeah. If you've already found that term, you don't need it to come through the auto campaign again. I've got some auto campaigns that I've completely bled dry. There's literally nothing else anyone could search for. <laughs> I could pause them, but leaving them running is doing no harm. Yeah. Occasionally, I'll get a new keyword come through them, 
the only time I would turn them off is if you'd gone with a really aggressive strategy yep. for your auto campaigns and you'd gone with a crazy high bid just to get as much information as quickly as possible with, with, with no care for what your ACOS is. You're just going for discoverability. Mm-hmm. If that was your goal, you could either severely reduce the bid or just turn it off if that was your strategy. And, and, and I know not everyone goes with one product per one auto campaign. You can do a catch-all. That's a lot harder to manage because sometimes you might have multiple products that a search term would be suitable for. So mm-hmm. it's a case of, okay, now which manual campaign do I put this in? So right, that might be something that you would turn off eventually. But yeah, if, if you're going for, for quick research with higher bids, uh, then that's more likely to be turned off in the near future than one that you're just happy to keep running to keep ticking you along. Okay, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's the golden egg, isn't it, at the start? And it's definitely something that most people should do just to understand the search terms that are being yeah. used for their products. So for pausing auto campaigns, I suppose it's just a case of when you feel it's relevant, I suppose. There's questions that arise on when should I pause a campaign that's not particularly working or how long should I let a campaign run before pausing it? So when we're considering pausing campaigns, usually it's due to the fact that we don't want to waste any more budget. We don't want to overspend. There might be a case that we're spending lots and we're not returning anything. So I think the main thing to talk about here is kind of understanding why we're pausing that campaign and also to talk about attribution. So to understand what's working, we want to understand the data, right? To know whether we need to pause it, why we should pause it. And, and for me, I think that's where attribution comes in. So Amazon PPC looks at a attribution window of seven days. So that technically yep. means that it takes seven days for Amazon's algorithm to understand what works or what may not work for, for the product ads. So attribution in its basic terms is a set of user actions. So that could be a click or an impression or a sale. And then what these actions do is then provide us with this data to understand our campaigns through metrics. And once we start noticing trends, so leaving it perhaps for one to two weeks, allowing that algorithm to understand what's working, what isn't, we can then kind of pick up on whether we should pause it or not. So, for example, if you've spent up to $100 on a campaign, you've seen absolutely no sales and you've run for maybe two weeks, I would say that that's, that's enough information, that's enough data, that's given you a big enough why to then perhaps pause that campaign. So again, it's taking a step back and understanding has Amazon's platform had enough time and whether we've kind of either spent too much at that point and that will kind of give us our, like I say, our why and, and we can then look to pause those campaigns. Okay, yeah, definitely makes sense. One thing I've seen work or really common throughout a lot of manual campaigns is negative keywords. So I don't suppose if one of you could just mention what they are and the benefits of using them. I know Tom touched a bit on auto campaigns, but using them throughout all your campaigns. Yeah, sure. I'll uh, provide a little bit of information on negative keywords. So negative keywords are the words or phrases that prevent your ad from appearing on Amazon if those terms appear in a customer's search query. So for example, let's say you're only selling laptops. Search queries that could come up are laptop backpacks, laptop batteries, PC headsets. So essentially you can negate these keywords from appearing, which will reduce the number of irrelevant inquiries you receive. And by doing this, you're actually 
allowing your ad to appear on more relevant searches, which will result in saving on wasted ad spend, um, wasted clicks and create more opportunities for your ad to actually display on searches that are more relevant to your ad. And this could actually lead to more conversions. So I'd say negative keywords are one of the biggest lines of defense that you could actually use when showing your ads to relevant consumers. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and like you said, you sort of touched upon the point there of increasing your conversions, which I know we sort of mentioned earlier, but didn't talk about negative keywords as such. And it's probably the best way, isn't it, to ensure there's no wastage and just ensure no one's clicking on your ad and they're ultimately just not clicking on it by mistake, really. Exactly. It's also one of the most underutilized areas of PPC. People are always trying to find their next converting keywords and the best keywords that they're going to rank for, the ones that bring them the most sales. But we're always battling with trying to stop irrelevant terms come through. And as Ariane has so wonderfully described, yeah, you need to cut them away to free up that spend. The more wasted spend you cut, the more you can then spend that on the keywords that are working for you. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll, I'll ask one more question and we might have to actually do a two-parter on um, this episode. So I suppose my last question would be just how many campaigns is ideal for one product, for example? Yeah, how many campaigns is ideal for a product? If someone's starting their business from scratch and they launch a product, I guess this is going to be a, a question that they're, they're asking themselves. Um. I'd always start with three. You want an automatic campaign. That's your research. That's your discovery. That's going to tell you exactly what people are searching for um, in order for that product to appear. I'd also then start um, a broad campaign. So this is with all the broad keywords that you can think of from your research, from tools, from Amazon suggested keywords, or even keywords that you know you want to appear for. Put them in on broad and then see which ones of those get hits and you'll also see variations coming in through that because obviously broad allows people to add keywords at the front and the back. If you're selling a scarf, put the keyword scarf in there on broad and anyone searching for red scarves, yellow scarves, rainbow scarves, stripy scarves, they'll all come through as well. So you're not going to lose any of those searches. Okay. And then we'll also set up a, a performance campaign. And this is where you're going to want to put your exact match keywords and sometimes your phrase match keywords. So any of those hits that come through the auto and the broad campaign, this is where you then put them in on exact. And this is going to be where you're aiming for profitability and scalability. Okay, yeah, sounds good. And don't forget your negatives. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, completely agree, Tom. I think also what, what's important to figure out is is what works for your business. So what works for one industry or one client might not work for another. So test, test, test is one of the main things I would advise all of my clients really and, and what I do across across Amazon PPC is always trial things, different formats, different bidding strategies, different creatives, because it'll always change in terms of the result. So definitely test away. Yeah, sounds good. And I, I've actually got one more point as well. Just from auditing a few accounts, I've actually seen people developing huge campaigns with so many search terms or keywords that they're targeting. I would recommend it's better to actually split these campaigns into different ones. So ultimately, those key words aren't competing for the same spend. So you actually have a, a very good idea of what's going to work for your business and what's not going to work moving forward. 
So I guess that wraps it up for this episode. We do have a lot more to cover um, and a lot more questions, actually. So I guess our next episode, which will be on the 8th of February, will be How to Crush Amazon PPC Part 2. I hope you found this useful and insightful, and I look forward to seeing you on the next podcast on the 8th. Thanks very much for your time, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your week.